Copacetic Podcast, episode 11, Poor Things. Yorgos Lanthimos is back. He hasn't made a movie since The Favorite. So it's been a while, and he's back with Poor Things. What'd you think? I, I think I liked it. I'll say this. I'll, I was thoroughly entertained, for sure. Even though it's, it's a pretty long-running time. I think it's like almost two and a half hours. I was, for the most part, always you know very engaged. I mean, I think after a film like this, I probably need to sleep on it for a little bit and then come back and think like, did I really like this movie? Or maybe I was just like amazed by the sheer visuals and the scale. But um, I will say this, and I was thinking about this while watching the film in theaters. With this movie, I think Yorgos Lanthimos really cements himself as one of the most formidable original directors out there. Because... I don't think anybody's doing something quite like this. There's people out there. There's people that are definitely out there, but this is, this was quite something. And I love that there's people out there like this guy, like Yorgos Lanthimos, that's making a film like this, that's making something so damn original. And I think we spoke about this when we saw Gaspar Noé's Climax. I remember when we came out of the theater, we were like, well, we don't really know we liked it, but I'm glad that somebody out there is making something like this. And this is exactly how I felt. I had this exact same reaction coming out of Climax that I did coming out of Four Things. Dude, in terms of just like the whole fucking cinematic experience, pretty brilliant in terms of more so the visuals and the world than the concept. The concept is also great and the, the story is good too. I think the world is just brilliant. The acting was obviously phenomenal and the stone just like keeps fucking bringing it every single time. I, I told you that I just saw the pilot of The Curse and she's just so damn good. Like she's only getting better with time, yep. which I love it. She's just maturing so much as an actress. Mm -hmm. Her choices are so much more mature now than they were before. And mm -hmm. just, I, I got nothing but great things to say about Emma Stone in this. And then dude, Mark Ruffalo was exceptional. It <laughs> was so good and so funny and so dialed in. My main beef with the film was the midpoint, was the whole scene in Paris. At some point, it just kind of got like exploitive and indulgent, where I'm like, okay, dude, I get it. She's a prostitute and she's fucking around, but it was just got so repetitive. At one point, I've already seen this scene before and I don't need to see it again. So you could have cut like at least 20, 30 minutes of that film and made it two hours long and maybe a little bit more digestible. That way you don't have like an insane running time. Like, you know, make America great again. Make make movies less than two hours again. You know? Getting political. Getting political here. I don't know. Other than that, I was overall very satisfied. I, was, I thought the vision is impeccable. And enjoyed it. I was very entertained and it was pretty funny throughout. And the dialogue was always like witty and sharp. And I honestly thought it was it was pretty good. What did you think? So I feel the same way as you, like, I'm not sure where I land with this. And I agree, this is a movie where you need to sleep on it, maybe realize like, oh, I kind of already forgot about it. Like as the days go by, see how, how much it sticks with you. You know, the movies that I really love, I can't stop talking about it. Or I just like, have you guys seen this? You guys should go see this. Or, or even just thinking about it. It's even just in my own mind. So time will tell. And this is a movie that I feel needs that. I need some room to breathe. But this conversation here, maybe it's just this podcast in general, is just that feeling you can get when you walk out. Right, first reaction. First reaction, first viewing, first kind of like make, trying to make sense of it. And if I'm gonna just lean into that kind of like, well, let me just start talking. I can't help to feel with this movie that I'm disappointed. I would want to appreciate it more. And for sure, the style is incredible. You know, the visuals, it's all stunning. The cinematography, the wide angle lenses, the fisheye, the art direction's fucking awesome. And then the, creative flourishes around the world that just are just fun. 
on a visual level, it's fucking stunning. But I thought the humor was so fucking juvenile that it was very hit or miss for me. I think for the audience, it was very hit. But for me, it was very miss where I'm just like, this isn't funny. It's trying to be funny in the most low hanging fruit way. Remember how I said that um, Dumb Money was a movie where people could just go <laughs> and laugh at it? I feel like this is more. This is so much more refined in its humor though. I don't think so. I think like Mark Buffalo's running up the stairs and he falls and everyone laughs. There's some of that, but, but more like on the writing, on the dialogue itself, there, there was like, it's good. I think it was elegantly delivered and pronounced, but it was still juvenile humor. Like she throws up and then she walks over and the whole audience cracked up. It felt like a grown-ups acting like they're in a cartoon, which is intentional. Like everyone here is like a cartoon character. I don't know. I just, I just, I did not laugh. And I thought the first half was just redundant. It was just Emma Stone acting like an unruly child. Well, that's what she is. I know. And that just kept going. But she was a kid. I know. And that was just, it was just redundant. But that's the film. I know. And the film was redundant. It was just doing that. It was just so underwhelming just to see this juvenile humor of a, of a grown-up acting like a child. And I was just underwhelmed. And I just, it, it became obnoxious to me. Just like, we get it. Emma Stone is acting like a child. Ha ha ha. You know, that's, that's the joke for like, like an hour 15. Hey, we're going to cut this movie in half. An hour 15 is just Emma Stone acting like an hour 15 of a, a grown-ass woman acting like a child. That's a long time for one joke, you know? The progression is there. Yeah, and that... And it's pretty subtle and nice. And the progression is there and subtle is nice. And it's not until the film starts to lean into that, the movie became far more interesting once that, that happened. It was when she realizes there's four people and they're struggling and all that. From then, the film was a whole different thing for me. Because the first half of the movie is just Frankenstein, Little Mermaid, and Willy Wonka put in a blender. I created this creature. It's a woman who acts like a child at the open world. What is this? How do I use a fork? Doesn't know what to do. And there's a whole Willy Wonka aspect to it. And then she runs off because she falls in love or she falls in lust or she falls in horny with someone else. And it's an hour 30 of Emma Stone being a child. It was not until the second half that I found the movie far more interesting once the hardships of reality, the norms of society and the, these complexities of characters are confronted and she begins to realize the world and she begins to question it in a way where she's almost an alien. She views the disparity between like the wealthy and the poor, societal norms about uh, being a whore and being educated or being polite, being like all those things were far more interesting than the first half where she was like fucking being a child. I don't know. I just, I don't know how much entertainment I could get from watching a full grown adult being a child. And this, the second half was... That was like, there's Yorgos, there's fucking Yorgos, because when I think about it, when I think of killing the sacred deer, or I fucking think of lobster, or I think of fucking dog tooth, this ranks below all of them. This movie, there's just so much that just didn't work for me. I just, I was just waiting for a lot to happen. And then it started to happen in the second half, because like, yeah, like I said, this is Yorgos Lanthimos, like, his fucking filmography is, is up there. But if I'm just looking at this film as in what it's doing with its story, I don't know. It's, it feels very shallow. The, the humor, the indulgence of like the production and the, and the world is very like enticing. And it's like, wow, look at this. 
all-star cast and acting silly and you know but below it it's it's just kind of again to triangle sadness that's a movie that is a director who's incredibly sophisticated coming from like the square and fucking first majeure and then he's doing something very accessible very fun very like anyone could watch it and go but that has so much to say about society and power dynamics and this movie kind of does the same thing it's accessible silly and then there's a societal power dynamic aspect to it but i feel like poor things is such a more presentable film in its surface the triangle of sadness i disagree i think it's quite the opposite i think this is harder to digest in its surface but it has less after the surface and where triangle set is presented easily a kid could watch this and find this entertaining on a purely sensational level on a sensational level those fisheye lenses the humor that the kid i don't think that's for everyone though i don't think it's accessible to everyone. i think it's far more accessible no way triangle set is just shot like a normal film without the sex aspects and all the dialogue if you if you mute this and take out the sex you could put this on for a kid and they'll be like staring at it like what is this and if you put on triangle sadness for a kid they're gonna walk away yeah true just because the visual are simulating one that doesn't make it like not challenging i feel like that's like, you give this to like any person in the general audience they're gonna be like at least a little bit thrown away by the visuals no i don't think the visuals are like that accessible they're very accessible we're in an 824 era we're in an era where people watch movies nightly they see this they're not gonna be challenged they're gonna be stimulated they're gonna be like whoa this is cool if you put both of these movies on mute no dialogue no uh, subtitles and you put these in triangle in this yes there's gonna be far more of a stimulation obviously i, I don't disagree that's what i'm trying to get at yeah i don't disagree with that. that this movie on a surface level is far more accessible and stimulating than triangle of sadness this is more popcorn flick not force majeure not the square sure. both okay both poor things and triangle sadness are tr not doing completely the same thing but they are examining societal norms power dynamics and Viewing what we know as humanity or society through a new lens. Triangle Sadness does it through Stranded on the Beach and Paradigm Exchange. This movie does it through a woman who's viewing humanity and society and gender paradigms through pretty much almost being an alien and experiencing new life. So these films are both observing those things, but they are packaged their own different things. Yeah. And I think Poor Things is a far more accessible package, but it's not sophisticated in its uncovering of its ideas than, let's say, Ruben Oslin films. This movie is dressed the fuck up. I would prefer a movie that is something like Ruben Oslin that isn't so fucking dressed up with whimsical shit and it gets to the same ideas in such a more profound way. And this movie does, but it's shallow. Come away with just kind of the most superficial entertainment-based shit than a Ruben Oslin film. You know, a Ruben Oslin film is like, that is a critique on things. This is more entertainment the critique. This is maybe Flanthamos at his most entertaining, but I think also at his most shallow. And here, there is a lot to say here, but it's so dressed up, I think. And that's not to say that it's a bad thing. It's just, I, I come away more with the fucking dressing in this movie. It's the same thing. It's like, we always talk about the craft. We always talk about all that. But we never fucking talk about like what the movie's about. Force Majeure or, or Ruben Austin film. You don't really talk about the craft. You talk about, oh my God, that moment. We talk about the humans, the character, the situation they're put in, all those things. But I think they're, they're films that are serving different purposes and they're trying to do different things. It's like Mad Max. And I, I think we always lean on Mad Max because it's such a great example of a film that we all love, but we always forgive it for whatever reason because there's nothing there. Mad Max isn't trying to say anything though. 
this movie's trying to say a lot, and that's why I bring I bring up. Uh, so that's why you're okay with it, with it being shallow, because Mad Max is shallow. Exactly. There's nothing there. It's an exercise in adrenaline, and yeah. that's what that is. This is not. I think this film is trying to do the same thing as, well, again, trying to upset. Is it? Yeah, I see what you mean. It's it, you know the films are trying to do the same thing, but this one has so much fucking dressing and such low hanging fruit when it comes to the humor, when it comes to the spectacle, and all those things that. At the end, you just walk away. I think you're just like, uh, I don't know a better term by this, but you're like, you're like booty blinded by it. You're like starstruck by it. the imagination. Optics. Yeah, Stoptics. Yeah. I don't want to fucking keep rating a movie about its production value, you know? There was a lot, like for you, the whole Paris scene, you were like bored. Yeah. But that was her poking at societal norms, you know? That was her discovering like... Yeah, but I got it the first time. At that moment you weren't stimulated because there was no progression of the societal norm, right? Right. And you wanted to move on to the next thing. Where in the first half, it was literally just the same thing, but it was colored with so much shit that we were able to forgive it because it was it was dressed up. And it was an hour 15 of the same fucking joke. And when you strip away the dressing and you just leave like just the the moments, it becomes dull. It just becomes like, well, where's all the shit you gave me? The, the candy in the first half of the movie. And that's why I like the second half better than the first because there was no candy. It was all fucking poison. Dude, I can't say at all that I hated this. No, I didn't hate it. I'm just, I just feel disappointed. I mean, you're with Lanthimos. I'm just struggling with it for sure. Like, I, I, I'm not sure where I land with it. I hope to appreciate it more, but what I think of this movie is kind of, it's uneven from the first and the second. But I don't know, maybe my big complaint in this movie is in the edit. Maybe it just needed to be shorter. Maybe everything just needed to be truncated. Everything just needed not to linger so much on it. It could have been a little tighter for sure. But I enjoyed it. I, dude, I had a good time. And every time I had a good time, I was like, well, serve this purpose. Yeah, it's yeah. true. That's true. There's problems with it, but I had, I had a good time. Yeah, it's true. If you had a good time, that was the purpose of it. I don't think I had a good time, though. And yes, was I like mesmerized and maybe almost like so would you blinded by the visuals? And I was like, eh. like I didn't. I mean, I, I do see past the surface and I do agree with you in part in terms of like how this can be slightly superficial at times. But I mean, I still felt like a degree of depth and emotion and layers. Yeah, it's there. Uh, but yeah, that's poor things. Thanks for listening.